welcome to this episode of Consider It Blacklit. I am Kim, your host, and for those of you tuning in for the first time, Consider It Blacklit highlights films, television programs, and stage plays that feature African Americans up front and behind the scenes. We also discuss social issues as it relates to some of these programs and how they may or may not impact our communities. So thank you for tuning in, and we hope you continue to tune in each week. Today, it is my pleasure to highlight the New York Theater Workshop's production of Semblance. Semblance is a theatrical virtual experience that asks us to examine how Black women are perceived. And it is my pleasure to have the playwright, Whitney White. Welcome, Whitney. Thank you for coming and thank you for having me. It's wonderful to talk to you. Yeah, it's a very deep piece. But before we start talking about your actual uh, masterpiece, to say, let, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you? What's your background and how did you get started um, into playwriting? Oh, thank you for asking. Um, well, I am from Chicago. I grew up in the city and I was raised by a fearsome, fearsome single mother. Her name is Janice White. Shout out to my mom, without whom nothing would have been possible. And her sisters and my entire kind of core network of women that that raised me. And uh, my father is an immigrant from Jamaica. He's a musician. We met more recently in life. And I was always uh, into the arts. My mother was, is an extremely creative woman. Um, and so the, my gateway, my gateway, my entrance to the arts was actually through music. I was a musician. I was a singer. You know, every choir that there was, you name it, I was in it. And um, for a long time, I thought that's what I was going to do. But then at college, I kind of fell into theater more seriously. And I was very moved by the experience of live performance and the experience of storytelling on a deeper level. And yet, you know, I, I didn't feel like the stories that were coming my way reflected anything I recognized, like uh, the plays that I, I was um, asked to work on and musicals didn't really reflect or speak to the world as I experience it, the world uh, full of people that are um, more complex and going through challenges and dealing with them the best they can. And so that's what really pushed me to get into writing and directing was the possibility of creating stories or adaptations of classics that speak to the world we live in right now um, as I experience it and the questions and issues that arise for us all daily. Um, and so that's really how I got into it. And it was at Brown University through the MFA program that I was able to direct and write my first little show. So shout out to Brown University because they're the ones that really gave me uh, space and time as a Black female creative to step outside of just being a performer, you know, and I'm very grateful to that. And then I moved to New York afterwards and there's nothing like New York. It's such a stunning place. I mean, it has such an incredible history of performance and storytelling and the arts are just so alive here and integrated into society. And I was able to work with a really incredible director, Sam Gold, and with the New York Theater Workshop, actually. Well, that my was my... Yeah. yeah, that's my next question. How did you get involved with the New York Theater Workshop? Well, I mean, they have this incredible program to anyone out there who's looking for a way to get started. I highly encourage it. They have a program called the 2050 Fellowship. 
And it's a fellowship for writers, directors, and also now they have a, an administrative um, add-on to it that pays you to come and work and learn with the theater and marketing, casting, production, all of it. It's, it's, it's an incredible program and you have to apply to it. And so I applied my first year out of school and I went through all the interviews and met all of them and fell in love with them. And I didn't get it the first time, girl. But um, still, Linda Chapman, who was on staff at the time, she wrote me a little side email and was like, we think you'd be perfect to work with Sam Gold on Othello. Othello is a show I'm very passionate about. I'm very passionate about Shakespeare and how Black identity intersects with Shakespeare. And so I met Sam and then became a part of the workshop and then ended up doing the fellowship a year after that. So it, it was this really wonderful uh, couple of years when I first graduated school that I was kind of put into the workshop family uh, through this incredible production that Sam directed with David Oyelowo and Daniel Craig. It was incredible. Oh, wow. That is amazing. So Semblance, it is a virtual theatrical experience. What made you to decide to present in this format? Well, I have to give a shout out to the ingenuity of the workshop because the shutdown happened. And for theater, you know, March 13th, 2020, Broadway shut down, theater across the country shut down. It is a live performance form. And there were several weeks in there where we had no idea what we were going to do as a business nationally, you know? And the workshop came up with an idea called the Instigators Project. And they gave a sum to a group of artists, an incredible cohort of artists to dream about what art and theater could look like in this time. And I was looking around um, in this time that's affecting all of us. And I was just moved by the degree to which black women were at the center of so many processes that keep our communities going, whether they're driving you home on the bus or dropping off your mail or giving you your election ballot at the polling centers or testing you for COVID when you need a COVID test or helping you in a nursing home or watching your children for you in the park. I saw that black women were at the backbone of a labor movement that was keeping everything going in a time where everything could have just stopped. And so I wanted to uh, write something that spoke to that um, but not just spoke to that, but let these women speak on their own, in their own right. So I pitched it to the workshop. I was like, can we make something that we can tape that people can come and watch in the flesh, but also have access to at home? And they let me go on this incredible journey with Semblance. That's amazing. And that's one thing I liked about your piece. Like you said, Black women are the backbone to a lot of different aspects of this community, but yet are people looking at us? Are they just taking us for granted? Are they just walking by us and just taking for granted? We're going to get all their needs met, but they don't give us the recognition that we deserve. So I thought your piece kind of really brought that out. So good job on that. I mean, thank you. I really appreciate it because I always like to give the definition of semblance and the word semblance means the outward appearance or apparent form of something, especially when the reality is different. And so that's what I wanted to try and question. What does appearance do and what is the reality and what are the assumptions you have about the woman that's laboring for you and how do your assumptions cause you to treat that woman differently or in a particular way and 
how does your treatment of this other human being affect their experience? And that's kind of what I'm trying to get after with the piece. Well, you are, you are accomplishing that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the other thing I like about the piece, it really displayed the diversity within the Black woman as in our community. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, all of us probably can identify with somebody in your piece that we relate to in real life. Mm -hmm. So are any of the characters based on somebody specific in your life? Yes. I mean, the final character that you meet, I don't want to give it away, uh, was inspired a lot by someone I love very much, my cousin who actually passed away during the quarantine. She's a wonderful mm. woman. I miss her every day. And she worked so many jobs, you know, doing, making, she worked in these corporate situations, making things possible for other people, you know? And so, the whole piece, honestly, is kind of my little tribute to her. And I say that at the end, it's for Rachel, because I know she spent a lot of her life laboring for others in a way that didn't allow her to, uh, like so many of us, um, spend our time the way we really wanted to. And I think that's the ultimate question about the piece. It's not just about Black women. It's really questioning labor at large and how all of us clock in daily and how all of us choose to spend our days in this one life that we have. So I think the piece starts with an inquiry about the black female experience and then is hoping to go a little bit larger. But yeah, it, I was I had my cousin in mind while I was making all of this. Yeah. Well, it was a great tribute to her. Thank you. Yeah, because I saw for Rachel. I was like, oh, who's Rachel? <laughs> she was the bomb. She was fly, fly sister. She's missed every day. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So it was filmed part. It was basically filmed and presented in a theater. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it as a filmmaker myself. I was like, they put a lot of work into that. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about the production, some of the challenges, you know, how you put it together, what went into making that piece work? It's a great question because it really is a hybrid piece. And I love that you're a filmmaker. I, I just love talking with other Black female filmmakers because it is such a challenging process. It's like you have the script, but how do you get the script on screen? You know, that's always the question. So we did a kind of hybrid of working techniques. We use some theatrical techniques, like theatrical lighting at times. And then we use cinematic techniques, such as I worked with a DP. But, you know... We worked with a theater production designer to basically build seven mini sets in one theater, in the New York Theater Workshop. I actually wish we got more footage of it because when you came in, it was kind of amazing to see these little pods where we shot each woman. So we set up like a little salad bar pod. We set up an office. We set up a nail salon and we used the resources we had to kind of realize that as honestly as possible. And so it really was a mix of theater making and uh, filmmaking, and that's what made it possible. So our team kind of had two groups, you know, the more cinematography and like filmmaking group and then the theater group, because then also we had to figure out how we were going to show it. And we're trying to show it in a theatrical way with lighting and you're kind of in an atmosphere, as I'm sure you could see. So it was really a hybrid thing. It was very exciting to see how the two groups communicated as well. We had an editing team that was in New York, Chicago, and London to edit it together. So it really was kind of this big little crew for a moment doing this 
hybrid form of work that none of us have really done before. There was a lot of problem solving along the way. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to shout out your set designer because you're saying that it was a little pause on, on the same set in the New York Theater Workshop. And I've been in there because even when I saw the bus scene, I was like, is she really driving a bus? Like that set design was amazing from the salad bar. You could not tell me she was <laughs> not in sweet. I was like, did they get sweet greens to like close down and let them come in there and shoot and just it was just amazing so you know communicate that to your set designer because I will her name is Una Una was incredible she did lights and set one woman she was fierce Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. so um I do have to shout it out to her and the entire production team because we didn't have a huge movie budget and I was like okay but I still want to do these women and I think the bus just a spoiler alert for those of you watching, there is a sister, there's a character who's a bus driver. And that was a real moment of all of us coming together because it was almost cut because I was like, how are we going to do this? You know, how can we make it feel creative, but not so cheesy, you know, not so minimalistic. And we really came up with the right angles, the right props. And we just built this little pot, you know? Great, great. So semblance also... I liked it because it had a lot of symbolism in it. Um, I saw some symbols of chickens. I saw flashes of African-American babies. So just talk to a little bit about your use of symbolism in this piece. Thank you. I think what you're referring to is the work of our videographer. Um, she was just brilliant. And you know everything has context. What does the American flag make you feel? What do you feel when you see a black woman nursing a white child? What historical images are related to that, right? When you see a woman in line at Sweet Green working for you in an assembly line, what is connected to that, right? The prison industrial complex, um, kind of human labor, uh, like Marxist theory. So it's like every woman has so much context and the symbolism that you're seeing on the other screen are images that are just meant to make you remember why we are here. When you see an African-American woman nursing a white child, there is a history there that goes hundreds and hundreds of years back in terms of how the black female body has been used throughout time and how we are caretakers of society, right? And we want you to remember, we want you to understand that when you see this sister driving you around on a bus and getting you safely to your destination, that level of caretaking, that level of service is related to other things. It's not just something happening in the now you know? And so we tried to use symbolism that I hope is not too heavy handed to just make us all remember. So the performance asked the question, what do you see? What do you assume when it comes to Black women? What kind of feedback have you received from audiences, friends, colleagues, even people you may not know, um, in terms of what do they see? Oh my gosh. I mean, I think the thing that uh, touches me most that I've been hearing from people is, oh, that woman reminds me of my aunt or, oh, that's my best friend in Sweet Green. She tried to get her song on the playlist the other day. I think when people realize that they recognize these situations, that's that's when I think that we're doing our, our team and the workshop, New York Theater Workshop, we are doing our job. I think there's one line in the piece that... Uh, 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 there's one line that I get the most feedback on 
And it's this, there's a line in the piece that says work is not religion. And then the same character says rest is love and I will not be defined by labor. It's a line like that. Um, and the idea that we are not our jobs, we as a human beings, not just women are not, we don't live to work. You know, that's maybe, maybe not our sole purpose on the earth. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people across gender, orientation, ethnicity have responded to that line that I will not be defined by labor and work is not religion. That's the one kind of vignette, the woman in the nail salon that I've gotten the most feedback on, which was surprising to me. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So I want to talk about the actress that you had in there, Nakia Mathis. She was amazing. amazing. Um, how did she become involved with the project? I just have been a longtime fan of hers. Nakia is an incredible actress, artist, and designer. She's worked with me as a designer on uh, several shows of mine. And she's she was an incredible, she was in an incredible production at Williamstown Theater Festival, um, directed by Robert O'Hara. And I think you agree, there's just something transcendent and easeful and relatable and watchful about her. She's very honest. And she puts you at ease. Like I could have spent, I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like I could spend so much more time with her. And that's just such a rare thing uh, for an actor to be able to do. And so I just, uh, the casting director at the workshop also put her name on the casting list. And as soon as we started to really think about it, I just knew it was her. She's so beautiful in the role. I'm so grateful for all the work that she did to make the piece come to life. Definitely. Well, she really delivered. She really did. Tell our audience, why was it important that you have one actress play all those characters? Uh, I, I think that the narratives that unite who you are, Kim, and who I am, and who Michelle Obama is, and who the homeless sister I have to pass on the street, who I wish we could do more for in society. I think the narratives that surround the way the discourse that surrounds all of these different types of women affects actually how all of us live. I think the assumptions we have about Cardi B affects the school teacher who walks into the classroom. And so I wanted one woman to, I hope that made sense, but I wanted one woman to play all of these women to just kind of say, we're connected. There's not one who's better than the other. The stereotype and garbage you throw towards one woman is a part of a larger conversation that affects all of our lives. You know what I mean? And also I'm very into not to sound cheesy, things that unify us instead of separate us. Um, creating division within the community is like a key, that's a key method of oppression is to divide and conquer. Do you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and there's so many things that do separate us, whether it be colorism, sociopolitics, you know, uh, economic issues. And it's like, actually, we're all closer than we think. And so I do like things that kind of bring understandings together without sounding too cheesy. No, you're not sounding cheesy. You're basically, from my perspective, you're basically showing us how there is like one common thread through all of us. And that yeah. actress represented that common thread through all these different types of characters, even the Cardi B type of character. We all, you know, experience the same things just in different circumstances. So no, that was very, very well done. 
Thank you. Um, I know you talked a lot about, you know, um, some of the meaning of your play, but tell us what you would want your audience to take away from it. I mean, two things. I think we all should be questioning the nature of labor in our society today. We should be questioning how we relate to that job, that hourly wage. We should be questioning. And I think the other thing is, look in the eyes of the next sister who's doing something for you. Cause you probably can't walk outside your door without encountering one. Did she deliver your mail? Did she bring you your food? Do you know what I mean? Do you work with her? Is she your coworker? It's like, look in her eyes and realize there's a human there. You're both humans. It's human to human contact. So I think those are the two things I hope that people will take away. Awesome. Awesome. Now you talked about, um, you know, you were able to videotape it. So people had the opportunity to come to the, in the theater and watch it as a virtual experience, but also for people who are not yet comfortable coming to the theater, can they access it online? And if so, how would they do that? That's, I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to spill the beans, but the workshop will be announcing how the, uh, how it will be available online and it will, and it will okay. be. And I'm really, really excited about that. That being said, there are special things about the live performance, the second screen in particular, some of the content on there. We always have to give you something. We want you to return to the theater, you know, but the piece, the bulk of it will be available online, which is really exciting. Yeah. And there was a special piece. I'm not going to say because I don't want to give away. I was looking like, oh, okay. (laughs) So that I'm sure that's something that you would experience by going there as opposed to looking Mm -hmm. at it online. So there Mm -hmm. is an advantage to actually going to see it physically. Yeah, I just wanna put that out there, but I'm not gonna say what it is because, you know. Yeah. I want people to to experience it themselves. Thank you. I really appreciate this conversation. I'm really, it feels so amazing to be even talking about about live theater a year ago. It felt so impossible. So. Impossible, right? Yes. Oh my God. I'm so happy too, because I love live performances, theater, music, everything. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though I'm being cautious, I am, yeah. you know, trying to support those who are out there trying to do things. So, so you are an OB Award, Lily Award winning director. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell our audience a little bit about the projects that you know, um, receive these awards? Sure. Um, uh, The Obie Award was for a piece called Our Dear Dead Drug Lord by an amazing writer, Alexis Shear, about these four teenage girls in Miami. You guys, it was wild. It was just a beautiful play about teenage women dealing with their issues, coming of age, and how uh, invoking their feminine power through the practice of magic. It was (laughs) uh, kind of kind of uh, how how this magic club they had interacted with their feminine awakenings. And it was set in Miami and it was just a wonderful journey. And that was with the WP Theater and Second Stage. And that's what we received the OB for. And the Lilly Award was more of a larger acknowledgement of the work that's been done. And, and that work really, um, is I think mostly due to uh, the luck I've had working with Alicia Harris, a black female writer who wrote uh, What to Send Up When It Goes Down and also Is God Is. And we will be working on her upcoming play at New York Theater Workshop in January actually. Um, And so they're both, I think it was mostly my work with these two female writers that led to those, uh, uh, that recognition, which I'm 
very grateful for um, their incredible artists in and of themselves. And both productions were in New York City. Oh, amazing, amazing. Um, and so you mentioned that you were a musician. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about what you do as a musician or what you did as a musician and how it mm -hmm. influences your work right now. Well, you heard some of our, my my music, my music collaborator and I, Peter Mark Kendall, you heard some of our music, the Cardi, the rap song, that's me and that's our song. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. And also there's like a little song at the beginning of it um, that was ours. And so um, I love music. I think music is a great equalizer. Everybody likes music. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if you're red, red, red state, blue state, uh, have a faith or don't have a faith. It's like certain music just brings Americans together. Do you know what I mean? And so I think music is just such a great way to build bridges among people. And it's fun. I always joke, um, I can get a friend to go see an $80 concert with me, but I can barely give away free theater tickets sometimes, you know? It's like, if I'm talking to my mom and her friends, I'm like, you wanna go see Erica Badu? They're like, yeah. And I'm like, wanna come see my fancy playoff Broadway? And they're like, eh, you know? So there's something funny about how exciting music can feel. And I'm always wondering how that could be injected into um, theatrical performance. But I love music, all kinds of music, rock, soul, uh, we do it all. Actually, Peter and I, we have a music project called Capsule. If anyone out there is curious, it's available on all the platforms record we did. Yeah. Okay. We'll have to check it out. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you mentioned you're working on something for the New York Theater Workshop now, but talk to us more about, you know, what you're doing now and what's next for Whitney White. Um, well, I have a piece. If anyone uh, will be in the Boston area, I have a concert, a Shakespeare concert, Shakespeare piece um, that looks at Macbeth with music that will be at ART in Boston this fall. But really, Alicia Harris and I, it's our work that we're working on. We've got a piece coming to New York in September called What to Send Up When It Goes Down. It will be at Playwrights Horizons. It's beautiful. It's a ritual that honors Black men, women, and children who have lost their lives to racialized violence. Come on out for that one. It's it's just gorgeous. What Alicia has created with it is just gorgeous. And then after that, Alicia and I will be working on a new play with a much bigger ensemble at New York Theater Workshop in January. So me and Alicia will be kikiing for a bit this year. So come on <laughs> out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That is amazing. So everyone, that's we're running out of time, but I just want to encourage everyone to go check out Whitney White's semblance at the New York Theater Workshop. It's going to be here until August 29th, I believe. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. So thank you for joining us today, Whitney. Black Girl Magic all the way. <laughs> thank you. And good luck with all of your filmmaking. And thank you for having me. Yes, yes, yes. Well, everyone, that's our time for today. Check out Semblance at the New York Theater Workshop. It'll be here till August 29th. And until next week, consider yourself Black Lit.